All right, so 1 Peter 2 is where we're going to be. If you'd like to turn there, we'll be there in just a few minutes. But this is a series of messages that we've been in. This is week number 8 here of 10, Identity, Who Am I? And we've been trying to look at who we really are in Christ, okay? And so uh, answer the question then, who are we? So I see child God, so we've been adopted. All right, last week we talked about how we are overcomers. That's our identity, okay? Somebody else? Who are we? We're special. That's what our moms always told us, wasn't it? <laughs> You're special. All right, so we've talked about being fashioned by God. Do you remember that? Psalm chapter 8. And everybody on the planet is fashioned by God. So that means you've been created with a purpose and that God watches over you and he cares for you. All people, whether they are a loving grandparent or they are a terrorist, and whether they are your presidential candidate or not. God has crowned all people with glory and honor, and so we've got to learn how to treat all people, whether we like them or not, with glory and honor. That's true for everybody. All right, so that was fashion. We talked about being forgiven. God has extended forgiveness to everybody on the planet, right? So anybody can receive the grace that comes through Christ, and so we talked about we can be forgiven. We've talked about being adopted, what it looks like to be a child of God, and what it means to be accepted by God just as I am in His working to help me become more like His Son. We talked about being hidden in Christ and what it looks like to be hidden, kept within Him and how He has hidden Himself in us also. And then last week we were dealing with the overcomer. All right, so today we're going to track a new direction, still yet under identity. And identity matters because it influences how we view ourselves and then how we view how we live in this world. And so this is why we're spending a lot of time on this. And the more studying I've done here, the more I just, it comes out in, uh, in many conversations that I have. So we want to have the right identity. So some of us have titles, right? Everybody's got certain titles. You're a son or daughter, brother or sister, mom or dad, grandparent. Maybe you're an employee or an employer. All those things sometimes, though, work to define us. And so I wrap myself up in what my identity is or what other people say of me. So can I ever be at a place on this, posi in, on this planet when I'm not a pastor? Could that ever happen? Where I'm not a pastor. Oh, it could happen, right? Could it ever happen where I'm not a husband? Yeah, that could happen. Many of you have experienced that, or not a wife. Could it ever happen where I'm not a father? You know, I mean, we pray that those things don't happen, and I know I could understand if my children were to pass on, I'd still be a father even though they've passed away. But functioning in that role on this planet would cease to exist for me. And so if I have defined myself by those titles, you know, husband, father, pastor, teacher, coach, friend, whatever, brother, and all of a sudden those things are taken away from me, now I'm lost. I don't know who I am, right? And so what we're looking at is, who are we? We want to say things over ourselves that are always true, right? They're rock solid. They're always founded on what God has said about us. And so I don't want to ever say anything over you that puts you in a box compared to how God is wanting to, maybe for you to live out your potential. You know, sometimes as parents, and we've talked about this, we say you're good at this, but you're not so good at this. And so that child may grow up to say, well, I guess then that I'm this box rather than that box. And they don't try to grow into that box. Right? So I don't want to limit people. We want to always try to, you know, 
magnify people's strengths, but we don't want to minimize what people can become in Christ, right? Don't want to write off who they are in Him. So let's say over one another things that are always true and that can always be true, all right? So we've been fashioned, forgiven, accepted, adopted. We are hidden. We are overcomers. And today we're going to see that we are being built and what it looks like to be, to be built, all right? So we're going to be into that here in just a minute, but I want to ask you a question. Have you ever built something? Like in a real short word, can you say, yeah, I built this. What did you build? A birdhouse, okay. Built a birdhouse. Anybody else built something? I mentioned one already. It's on the wall behind us, all right. So somebody built a cross in this room many years ago. What else have you built? Yes, ma'am. A mat? Okay. Ma'am? No. So we've all probably built, have you ever built like a fort? All right, so we used to build forts when I was younger. We would build them out of snow. Have you ever built a snow fort or a blanket fort in your house? Yeah, we do that. That's a lot of fun, isn't it? takes a lot of time though, right? You got to set it up and it's, it's intentional. It doesn't just happen. You know, I can remember here a few years ago we had a real heavy snow and we went out to build a fort outside with these five-gallon buckets and it's fun for 15 minutes to fill five-gallon buckets full of snow. But then everybody else wants hot chocolate and they want to go play and all this stuff. So I'm left stuffing a five-gallon bucket full of snow for the next three hours just to build a fort, right? It takes effort and it takes work. So sometimes we give up. Building takes a lot of effort. It's got to be intentional. So whether it's a house or a church, whether it's a family or just your individual life, whatever it is that we're building, it takes work and it takes time. And it's the same way with God. But the one thing about building, anytime we get involved in building something, it's that it's always worth it. Right? Have you ever started building something and go, this is a waste of my time and energy? No, if you're working to build something, it's always that you view that it's worth it, okay? And we're going to see the same thing here with God. So if you don't catch anything else today when you walk out of here, just know that you're being built by God if you're a follower of Christ, or you can be built by God if you will become a follower of Christ, and He is doing this work in you because you are, you're worth it. He's patient with you, and it takes time. We've got to be intentional on our part as well. But He says to us here this morning, of all things, that, that we're worth it. Works in progress. So 1 Peter 2, let's track that direction. We're going to look at the first 10 verses here of, of this section. And, you know, Peter was writing to some people who are really going through some difficult days. And you know, maybe we can relate somewhat here this morning. So 1 Peter 2, and you can track along on the wall if you've got a Bible. It's towards the back of the New Testament. Uh, you can follow along there. Talking about those being built, all right? So let's go here. Verse 1 says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so this is somebody who's been saved. They've tasted the Lord is good. Now it's time to start this growing process. Verse 4, As you come to him, the living stone, Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him, 
you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood and a holy nation. You're God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are, and that's the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. All right, so here today I want to look in these 10 verses, uh, noting three things as it relates to being built. Okay, so being built takes time, it takes work, but it's worth it. All right, just ask the, the general manager of a team in Chicago. Right, I think it takes some time, maybe 108 years if you got it. All right, it may take a little time to build it, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's intentional work. It's an investment of your life. But at the end of the day, it's worth it. So three things we'll note. You can write these down if you want. You don't have to at all, but that's why that's on, on your bulletin. All right? So number one, those who are built are people who are going to be precious to God. And these are also people who view Christ as precious. So this word precious here, and we'll, we'll talk about it for just a minute. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been rejected? Ever been rejected? You know, I think of rejected right now. I saw a kid get rejected in a basketball game here Friday night. So I think about being blocked, and that's hard, right? You don't like to have your shot blocked. How many of you asked somebody out? Maybe I'm getting in trouble. And they said no. Did you ever ask somebody on a date and they said no? Never? Ooh. We are special people, all right? <laughs> all right, so maybe that's not true for us then. Well, I was rejected in seventh grade, not by a girl, but by a coach. And I was this height in seventh grade, this size. I mean, I've been close to this. I was 160 pounds, six foot, one and a half, two in seventh grade. So in seventh grade, I was taller than most guys at our school, but I just hadn't caught up with my body yet. And so I was a little bit, I'm still a little bit, but I was a little bit goofy, uncoordinated. And the coach said the only position I could play would be this position under the basket, and he already had four guys here, and so unless I could beat one of these four guys, he didn't have any use for me. And so I, anyway, I went through the tryouts, and I gave it my very best. Well, at the end of that tryout, you go to this little list, and there's all these names on it, and guess what? My name wasn't there. I got rejected. You know what you feel like when you get rejected? You feel like a reject, right? Just like, I guess nobody really sees any good in me, like I'm not helpful or useful, and so maybe I just, you know, just need to hang this up and try something different. Uh, and so I remember that really driving me, though, after that point. Uh, and I always had a knot in my throat when I'd go to look at the list in the window. But from that point on, I always saw my name on the list, and that was a good deal. Uh, but just being rejected is a, it's a horrible feeling, right? Nobody finds themselves excited at the prospect or at the reality of being rejected. So Peter's talking to these Christians, and these are Jewish people who had been rejected. So think of it this way. Your hometown, your church, 
And all of a sudden, people tell you the way that you're worshiping is no longer allowed in this city and you've got to get out. I mean, we'll either kill you or you've got to go somewhere. So what would be your response? Would you get out? Yeah, I think we might try to put up a fight for a little bit, but may, or maybe we wouldn't. Maybe we just say, okay, it's not worth it. We'll just go somewhere else. We're going to get out of here. These Jewish people were fine in their area as long as they were practicing Judaism. When they started bringing up the name Jesus is when they caught all sorts of flack. And so they were driven from their hometowns, and they were driven from their families, and they were driven from their jobs. They were rejected because of Christ. And so I think we can identify with that here today. And so Peter's trying to remind them, right, though you've been rejected, you're still precious. All right? You're still somebody who is worth a whole lot to God. So have you ever thought of yourself as precious? Now, precious to me, I often thought of it as a sissy word. Isn't that precious? You know? And when I was rejected from that team, you know who treated me as precious and special? My mom. And that's all right, son. You'll always be my precious boy. And you know what you want to do in those moments? Get away from me. Don't call me precious. Don't, I, don't, I know I'm your son. Big deal. And sometimes we value the things of the world and we'd rather have that be our identity than rather our truest identity. See, I can remember putting more value and my name not being on the list than I did on my mom who said, you're my son. Nothing will ever change that. I think sometimes we do that with God. We put more value on our titles of this world rather than looking at who our, what our identity is from Scripture. Okay, God, I know I'm all these things, but I want to be this also. And we find more worth in a temporary title than we do in what God says over us. And so I want you to see today that God says that you're precious. Three different times we've read that word precious. And that word means that you're valued. It means that you're highly honored. It means in reputation, God looks at you and says, you're my precious. Though the world may reject you, right, you are highly valuable. You have great worth to me. And so let's read this again. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to Him, talking to Christ, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable uh, to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, so the initial picture here is of how God views the Son, right? And so God says here, I view my Son as precious. He's something very special to me. world rejected Him, precious to me, okay? Jewish Christians rejected by the world, and what he's getting at is, you're precious to me. So these Jewish Christians were just about to realize what would be like the ultimate dishonor or disrespect to them. Not just driven from their home, but their temple was about to be plundered and destroyed. And so he's just preparing them to say that you are a, we just read it, a spiritual house. You put value in this temporary title as though it makes you something special. We're connected to the temple in town yeah, there's nothing better on the planet than the temple in our town. And Peter's saying it's about to be plundered and destroyed. There's something far better than the temple in town. It's the temple that you are. And so the world would reject Jesus. The world would reject those Jewish Christians. And yet here we see is that they are very still yet precious to God. And so, okay, big deal. 
Right? God's precious, or Jesus is precious to the Father. The Jewish Christians are precious to the Father. How does that connect with you and I today? Right? There are two very important words there that we read at the beginning of verse 5. What are they? They're still on the wall if you have any trouble. You also. All right? You also. And so if we can back that up, as you come to him, the living stone, talking about Christ, he's rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. Okay, so all this is building up then to you also. Which means you also are precious to God, though you're rejected by the world. You also are fashioned. You also are lavishly loved. You also are forgiven. You also are adopted and accepted and hidden and overcome. And all this happens because you are precious. Though you're rejected by the world, though they may minimize or belittle the message or messenger from the perspective of God, you're precious. And so I want you to pause for a minute and just think about how you identify yourself. Do you find more value in the rejection of the world or do you find more value in a God who says over you, you're my precious son or daughter? See, these Jewish Christians needed to be reminded that from the world's perspective they were rejected, but from God's perspective they were very precious. You know, have you ever noticed that we're often referred to as the lowercase version of Jesus? Like we're always the, the little version of this bigger version. And so let's back up here again and see if we can see it. So as you come to him, and what is him or what is he called here? He's referenced as the, okay, the living capital S stone. All right? So then you get to verse 5 and it says you also like what? Like living stones, but we're the little stones. All right? He's big stone, we're little stone. And you'll see this all the way throughout scripture. He's the high capital P priest. And we are all little p priests. All right? He's the capital S son, and we are all little sons and daughters. All right? He's capital K king, and one day we all will reign as kings. We will be royal. We've got this authority coming our direction. All right? He is the capital S sheep, and we are all... Yeah, what's plural of sheeps? I'm going to get in trouble here. We're all like lambs, all right? or whatever the plural of that would be. I'm drawing a blank. So, irregardless, what it means is we're kind of like a chip off the God rock. Right? He's the main rock, and we're a chip off the... Have you ever been to a rock quarry? Anybody? We've got several of them in this area. Matter of fact, a lot of the big stones in the landscaping outside have come from a rock quarry. I believe it's Calhoun County where we went to get those. So, if you ever go to a rock quarry, a rock quarry is basically just one great big rock that's been exploded. Right? And you've got a bunch of little rocks and bigger and all the way down, or all the way up, I guess. Okay? So that's kind of like how it is with us in Christ. If we're a chip off the big rock, he's the main rock, and we're like him. Right? We are a part of him, and he is certainly part of us. And so we're precious to God. We are precious to him just as the Son was to the Father. You also, you might want to underline those two words in your Bible, you also. You also. Sometimes we need to speak a little truth over ourselves. We'll see this here in Acts 17. He's the source. He's the big rock. We're the little rock. For in Him we live and move and we have our being. So our life comes from Him. He's the one. He's the source. He's the all in all. He's the end all for the Christian. So however the Father views the Son is how the Father views the family. And if the Father views the Son as precious, then the Father views the family as precious. All right? When you walk out today, you're precious. Maybe when you look at somebody, pat them on the back, say, hey, 
you're precious. Let that stick. Let that be a reminder here this morning. So we've also said uh, we're precious to God, but then Christ is going to be precious to those who have put their faith in Him. And that's things that we've talked about here this morning in song. Right? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Right? And the course of that song says, On Christ the, the solid rock I stand. Okay, He's the rock that we're on. He's the foundation. He's the quarry, the big rock. We're just to chip off the God rock. And we're precious to God through Him. And as we look at Him, then He becomes precious to us. Because it's through Him that we have this relationship. And so we look at the Father through the Son. And we find ourselves not only valuable to Him, but we see there that we have uh, value for Him as well. And so in Him I hope, in Him is my joy. In Him I have comfort, and in Him I have peace. And so He is very precious to me. You might remember this letter starts in 1 Peter 1. Peter reminds them and he says, Hey, listen. You've been bought with the price, but remember, that's not with the blood of bulls and goats, but you've been bought with the precious blood of the Lamb. Okay? And so he was reminding them, this is precious. All right? This is very precious. And to those who believe, we read this earlier, verse 7, to those who believe, the stone is precious. All right, let's progress here this morning. So those who believe or those who are being built initially are looking to God as though... He is precious to us, and we also are precious to Him. Secondly, though, we're going to be interconnected with other believers. Interconnected here with other believers. And so we live in a culture now that seems to be kind of shying away from the organization called the church. And uh, churches in general, small and large, are trying to find ways to connect with people. Uh, not just to bring them through a door and sit in a pew so they can be counted as a number but to really connect with people. And so we're living in a day that's a little bit different than it's been maybe for, uh, for much of our lives. And there's kind of this mentality. When you talk with people like, I don't, I don't need to go to church. Okay? Can you go along with that? All right? When you know the benefits of being a part of a body, yeah, I need to go. But maybe with somebody who's new in their faith or somebody that's never believed, why would you have to go to a church to believe in God? Can I love God without going to a church? Yes, can I be part of the family? Can I be a Christian without going to a church? Yeah, I've got to be. Otherwise, it makes my faith works-based. It would be about attend a service and you get salvation. If you don't attend, guess what? All right, either you're kicked out or you don't get in. And so it's not works-based. It's always faith-based. But there's, So there's this understanding. I, I can get where you're coming from. I understand what you're saying. I don't agree with it. But I can understand at least... The, the lens through which you're viewing your world. I just need to love God and follow Jesus and I don't have to go to a church to, to do that. I think here though, we're, we're missing out, if that's our mentality, we're missing out on what Peter writes about us as the church here. Let's go back and read this again. Alright, so just like the living stone, capital S, now here's the small stones, you also, like living stones, are being built into a, what? A spiritual house. Okay, you also are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so do you see it here? Do you see the interconnectedness? Who's being built? So it's a we, okay? It's not just an individual. That stones has an S at the end of it. And so we are being built, okay? So it should be, I mean, we could put we or the you 
in uh, all caps there. We could put the word built in all caps. And the word house, I think we could fashion those as all caps as well. Think of it this way, though. How many houses are built with one board? How many of you buy a one-board house? Maybe you feel like that's what you bought when you bought your house. Maybe it needed a little TLC. Um, but no, we wouldn't look at a house with one board and go, oh, and I'll pay for that. Right? Because it's not a house. What is it? It's just a board. Can that board offer you any shelter? I mean, can you imagine somebody sitting out under a two-by-four in a rainstorm? So you're foolish. Like, what are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. Right? So right here behind us, we've got a couple homes going up. And when these trucks come in carrying the lumber, they're not carrying one board. I mean, they're truckloads of lumber. Hundreds and hundreds of boards show up and get dropped off here. And they're all going to be interconnected to build what? To build a house. Right? They're all positioned in such a way where they build a house. And so here Peter says the same thing. You are being built as living stones into a spiritual house. And so he speaks to the interconnectedness of believers. Listen, I understand the urgency and the burden for people that don't believe. And we've got to be after the unbeliever. Absolutely. But not to the neglect of the follower of Christ. Not to the neglect of the church. Because this is where we're being built. And this is one of the main tools God uses not only to build us, but then ultimately to reach out to those who are yet to be built. And so as interconnected believers, we are people who are being built together. And there's other words in that text that he uses. One of them is up there on the wall. It's the word priesthood. And so that speaks to many together. You've got, uh, when you get to the end of that text, it talks about peoples, plural. It talks about uh, a holy nation, all right, you can see that in your Bible. You'll track right there. All these things speak to a group of people. Matter of fact, he says, once you were not a people, right? Once you were a singular, singular person and you were bound by yourself in darkness, but now that you've come to light, now you're being built together. A holy priesthood, a royal nation, a spiritual house, peoples. And so it speaks to this idea of being interconnected. So I just want to encourage you to be faithful and connected to your church family. Not just faithful about showing up when the, you know, 1045 coming through doors and singing songs and sitting in pews, but interconnected throughout life. Right? Interconnected on the Monday through Saturday. Taking time to check in on one. I just send somebody a text. You know how long it takes to send a text? No time. Or pick up a phone and call somebody. All right, send an email, show up at their house, just drop off something, say, hey, I was thinking about you, I don't have time to stay, have a great day. Man, you'll just boost somebody's life that day. Okay, so interconnectedness means you're not just on my mind or we don't just meet at the same place occasionally, but we're like a house that's built together. You know, if I was to go to your house right now and try to rip out one of the boards out of your wall, would that be an easy task? Yeah, I don't know what position your house is in right now, so maybe it would be. Or to rip out a board out of your roof would take some work, wouldn't it? It's not just loosely connected. It's nailed, it's screwed, it's tight, it's, it's built there. It's not going anywhere. And that's the attitude that Peter is writing about here, the interconnectedness of the believers. They're connected together. They're tight with one another. They're held closely. They're not just something that can be easily pulled away.
So those who are being built are being interconnected with other believers. And we could speak more to that this morning, but let's go to our, our third point. I want to spend a little time here. Third, those who are being built are those who are going to use their lives to magnify the goodness of God. Those who are being built are going to use their lives to magnify the goodness of God or, or God's goodness. So when people are being built, they know it, right? If you're building a house, is that an accident to you? I mean, do you just wake up and go, oh, I didn't know I was building a house today? No, you've thought about it, and it's a part of life. You're invested in that building. And so those who are being built know God, and they know that their sins have been forgiven. They view Christ as precious, and they know that God is also going to build them. And this is also going to help us see something else that's true. And so let's read this in verse 9 and 10. It says, But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are. And that is the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so here again we see our identity, right? It's wonderful to know that I'm precious to God and that God is precious to me. It's wonderful to know that I can be interconnected with other believers. That's great news. But remember, identity doesn't just speak to who I am. When I have my true identity in place, proper perspective, then it influences how I live. So God wants us to live as people who are being built by investing in this world around us. And here we see it in a way where he calls, or how he, how he calls it, declaring his praise of the one who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. And so the result for those who are being built then is that we're to give him praise. And we're to declare his goodness. It's not just like, hey, sing a song and, you know, share something in a, a life group or a Bible study. It's like everywhere I go, God's blessing is on my lips. It's close to my thoughts. I'm always thinking about his goodness. I mean, Scripture tells us over and over again to remind ourselves of things, right? Why is a cross on a wall? It's to remind us, right? So a pastor can come sit down and stare at that thing and get rid of everything that's distracting him and just be reminded of his true identity. That's why it's on the wall. You know, why do we wear, wear a little bracelet? So people, well, yeah, one, so I'll be reminded. But two, then I can share that reminder with other people. Right? People ask all the time, what does Igbok mean? What's it mean? It's going to be okay. The other day we're in the Verizon store, and this guy's helping us there, and he's looking at it. He says, what is I-G-B-O-K? What's that mean? I said, Igbok, it's going to be okay. That it just, you know, God's got this. It reminds me, whatever I'm facing, it's for his glory and for my good. I said, really, it's out of a, out of a Bible verse, Romans 8, 28. And I started quoting it, and he finished it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Right? So it's served in that moment as a reminder to me, but also a reminder to him. Remember the Old Testament, it said, write it on your doorposts. Bind it on your foreheads. Why? Does those things make you people who love God? It's a reminder. Right? We were over at some people's house here the other day, and they're writing reminders on this house they're building about the goodness of God. My uh, in-loves, my father-in-law and mother-in-love or law, however that works, they're building a house right now, and their life group went in, and on all these boards in their house, they wrote Scripture. It's all over the house. And so when the builders come in and they're looking at drywall, they're sitting there reading about the faithfulness of God and how God won't forsake me and how He's got a hope for you and all sorts of things. are It's a reminder. 
So if we're ever going to do what we've been commanded to do, declare the greatness of God as people who've walked from darkness into light, we've got to remind ourselves of the greatness of God, how good He's been to us, how good He's been to me, and do that unashamedly. You know, sometimes I get a little nervous because I feel like I've got to always defend God, and I've got to have the great reason that's going to convert somebody who's got their reason for why they say there is no God. You know, sometimes I just need to share, this is how God's been good to me. You don't have to believe it, but it doesn't change how good He's been to me, okay? And I may not be able to make you experience that initially, but just seek the Lord and you'll find everything that I'm telling you is true. That's just who He is. He's good to me. He'll be good to you. I've not earned it. That's just the kind of God that He is. And so we need to be about, I need to be better about not just trying to defend, but about reminding myself and others of how good He is. So don't be ashamed of it. Think of it this way. If you were in a house fire and these firemen come in and they bring you and your family out of the fire even though the house is burned down, when you saw that firefighter at the grocery store, would you shy away from him or her? No, I mean, if you saw him, would you go down the next aisle? You know how we do. Oh, I don't have time for that right now. No. Would you go up and whisper to him or her, thank you for saving me? You probably wouldn't intentionally make it a big deal. It just would be a big deal, wouldn't it? And it would always be a big deal. Anytime you saw this guy, you'd go up and hug his neck or shake his hand and he'd come over and pat your kids on the head and want to know how you're doing. People in the store would be like, what's going on? Oh, this guy, he just, our house is on fire and they pulled us out. Well, he just, he saved me. And I'm forever grateful. Would you be ashamed to speak up for that? No. So why would we ever be ashamed to talk about a God who has saved us? There's no reason to be ashamed. You know, sometimes I think... We've got an adversary who reminds us, you're not good at defending the gospel. Don't talk about it. You're not good at helping people understand who God is, so don't mention it. Just keep it to yourself. But I'd never keep that to myself about a firefighter. I don't need to keep that to myself. And neither do you. Let's not be ashamed. Remember, Jesus told us don't be ashamed or deny Him because He'll deny us before the Father. So if we need a little motivation, that would be it. But the truth of the matter is, when I think about how good God has been to me, I don't have to coach myself into speaking up about His goodness. It doesn't matter who you are. If you don't believe, I'm just telling you what, man. He's been good to me. And He's answered my prayer. And He's set me or my family in this position. Whatever it is. We just speak to the goodness of God. See, that's your identity. That's who you really are. Husband, yeah, but that can come and go. Father can come and go. Pastor, all those titles, employee, you name it. All that stuff can come and go. These are things that are rock solid that will last forever. You're being built. And if you're a follower of Christ, you're being built right now. You may not understand it fully. You may not see it clearly. But the Word of God says this is what's happening. You're being built into a spiritual house. You are precious to God. He's connected you with other people who are going to help build you or who are precious to Him as well, who He wants to be precious to you. And He's going to grant you opportunity to cross paths with people who need to hear that there is a good God. And so if you've been moved from darkness to marvelous light, the Scripture says, just declare His praise. Right? This is our day. This is our time. And so I cannot go back into the 1800s and speak for people that didn't speak. And I won't live into the 2100s. But I'm trying to train people who will so that when they get there, they'll speak for the goodness of God. But until then, right now, it's my day. And guess what? 
It's your day. So speak to the goodness of God. Think about it. If you need to come in a church and sit on an altar to focus on a cross to get your heart right, then do it. If you need to wear a bracelet to remind your busy self that there is a God who's got whatever you face in this world, then wear it. If you need to get a chalkboard and put it over the door of your house that has Scripture on it so when you walk out you remind yourself, oh, that's right, then do it. Over the doorposts and door frame of my office, you guys have been in there and you'll see right there six letters. What are they? B-Y-S-S-I-W, right? Luke 5.5. 5. It's just because you say so, I will. So whatever you're calling me out of that office to go do, whether I want to do it or not, I'll do it. Whether I feel like doing it or not, I'll do it. And I'll do it as a representative of Christ. All right? That doesn't make me special. It says I need reminders. Because when I go out in this world, I'm distracted. And so all these things work to help us speak to the goodness of God. Let your life magnify how good God has been to you. And so here today, just trying to focus on a few things that will reinforce here yet again our identity. How you define yourself is huge. It's how you'll end up seeing yourself. And so the voices that we let speak to us are the voices that will shape not only how we view ourselves, but how we'll go out and live in this world. And so if people say to me, you're, you're just not worth my time, and I buy into that, when I look in the mirror, what do I see? I'm just not worth anybody's time. If I buy into a name not being on a list as though I'm rejected forever, then I'll live my life as though that's just the way I am. I'm just a reject and nobody wants me and I'll never be a part of anything. Why does it matter that we define ourselves as God says? Because ultimately it shapes who we are and how we live. And so here today, God says, I am building you. You are being built. You're precious. You're interconnected. And I'm going to use your life to speak to my goodness. You know, he says in there, once you were not a people, but now you are. Once you had not received mercy but now you have. And so what I wonder here today as we close initially is, are you someone who has received that mercy? Or are you someone outside kind of looking in? Are you someone who's understood that God really did give His Son for you, for me, because we needed mercy. We needed forgiveness. And we couldn't warrant that on our own. And so he sent God in the flesh to take care of what we can never take care of ourselves. His name's Jesus. And his word tells us if we'll believe in him and repent of our sins, he'll save us. That's his promise. There's no catch. There's no small print. There's nothing you have to do to gain or earn that. It's Christ alone, faith alone, in that grace alone. Maybe today you'd like to receive Christ. I'd like to talk with you about that and pray with you concerning maybe how you stand there this morning. But maybe you find yourself in the process of being built. Maybe you haven't viewed yourself as precious, as valuable, as highly honored by God. You say, I've got a shady past. You say, I haven't accomplished anything that's worth recognition. Okay? You say, well, my children didn't turn out the way that I wanted them to or they don't behave the way that I want them to now and so that's, that's all me, Right? Well, that's a different conversation, but if you want to say that, okay. Because at the end of the day, what we're going to get at is, 
and then what does God say over you? What does that have to do with who God has said you are? And so maybe today it's like, I just haven't been viewing myself as precious to God. I've let the numbers on my paycheck determine my worth. I've let the neighborhood I live in determine my value. I've let how many people I've led to the Lord determine whether or not I am uh, good in God's eyes. I've let all these external things that I don't really have a whole lot of influence over determine who I am. Maybe today what you've heard is that I'm valued, I'm highly honored. In reputation, God says I'm precious to him. Maybe you'd like to give thanks for that today. Maybe you'd say, you know what, I'm just not living that interconnected right now. All right, then look around this room, pick out one person that you're going to connect with this week. One person. Doesn't matter who it is. I'm not saying do something fantastic or go for it. Go all in, whatever you want to do. Call somebody. All right, pray for somebody and send them a message. You're on my mind, I'm thinking about you. I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you today. All right, one person. We've been built, we're interconnected. And then maybe you'd say, God, grant me an opportunity to make much of you in a conversation with somebody this week. Let my life cross with my neighbor, with my spouse, with my child that's walked away from you. Let my life cross with that coworker or that complete stranger who you've prepared for just the moment so they would hear that there's a good God who loves them. Lord, just let my path cross with somebody this week who needs you.